0: welcome to the station of decapitation without your head i'm nasty neil
1: i'm treacherous trista
0: we're joined by the fine people who made the deeper you dig we have john adams and toby poser thanks for having us today yes it's good to have you guys here so we're just talking about you guys are traveling around right now
2: yeah we're in wyoming we uh we decided to just kind of hit the road and uh work on our new film and uh See the sights while our kid is remote schooling, and it. it's pretty awesome,
0: yeah, now I know uh from the movie Deeper you dig uh you filmed it uh, around where you live, so when you are traveling around, do you happen to see anything that looks cool and make notes like uh maybe we would like to film something here?
3: We are filming as we're traveling, so we're working on our next movie after um the Deep You Dig it's a movie called the Hellbender, and so we have already filmed uh about six months of work back in the Catskills. And now we're just doing about the last 40% of the movie as we drift around the United States. Anytime we see something cool, like yesterday, we were in Yellowstone, Yellowstone with the lava pits. And so we filmed a really great scene there. So oh, nice. we're kind of like drifting around, looking at great locations.
0: Does that, uh, Is that how sometimes the stories develop? Is like you see something where you would be, or do you have it all, the whole script out and like, Things fit in different places.
2: Oh, yeah, most definitely. We kind of rely on um, what is really cool outside our window when we can. Um, yeah, we, we, we have a really loose idea of what we want, but a lot of the time it's spontaneous. Because we're just three of us, we have the luxury of just sh- shooting all kinds of cool shit that just happens. And, you know, and John's very spontaneous. <laughs> He'll say, oh my God, you know, there's like a dead lizard on the road. Let's shoot it and put it in the scene. And uh, so, yeah, we, we always are are on our toes.
0: Sounds very cool. By the way, cat the Catskills, I've been in the Catskills. Was, was it filmed anywhere uh, near Hunter Mountain?
3: Yeah. We're about, like, Hunter Mountain is just over one mountain range from where we are. So, yeah, it's that part of the Catskills. It's super beautiful, very stark. And we're from there. So the communities are used to us and they really allow us to uh, use the community at will and they help us out and we're accepted there. So it's a, a very, it's a wonderful place, Roscoe and Livingston Manor, for us to be able to do our art. Our, our,
0: yeah, because I, I have a Frankenstein monster in the Hunter Mountain that I've been carving for uh, over oh, cool. several years. I do a little bit every weekend. Well, not every weekend. Uh, a weekend out of the year.
2: That's cool.
0: So which town are you in? Tannersville? Uh, yeah, it's, well, I'm in Massachusetts, but that's where that is. Um, I don't know if you know the movie Basket Case. But, yes. Uh, I okay. love Basket Case. <laughs> I do, too. It's one of my favorites. And uh, Kevin Van Hentenrich, the star of Basket Case, he now is a, a, a stonemason in, uh, in Hunter Mountain, in, in Tannersville, actually, and uh, we had him on the show, and he does free, uh, this, this is going to be an ad for Kevin Van Hedgenrick, but he does a free, uh, uh, tr- he trains people how to uh, carve stone, and so he invited us out, uh, me and uh, my friend Annabelle, and we started carving stone. And it's, uh, That's awesome. No yeah, way. That's wonderful.
2: Yeah. That is so cool. Whenever people ask us what movies you think people should see, I, I always mention *Basket Case*. I'm glad
0: I, that's honestly one that's, of my favorite movies.
2: It is so kind of weird and 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 trippy. And New York at that time is so kind of sleazy. It's beautiful.
0: I agree. Yeah, that's something I bring up. I love the New York movies of that era because they are they are very gritty and sleazy, and the big and small movies like *Taxi Driver* and *Basket Case*, yeah. *Maniac*, the all all the. Chud, all the movies from that era in New York. Very cool. So before I get too far, I guess, uh, can you explain what The the Deeper You Dig is about to people who aren't familiar yet?
3: Well, my, my take on The Deeper You Dig is it's um, basically a triangle of something tragic and the three characters on how they deal with this tragic uh, thing that's gone down and their point of view and their path to redemption or non-redemption <laughs> what do you think toke
2: yeah um on on the surface it's about a mother and daughter who live in a sleepy uh, sleepy town and, and a really kind of mysterious neighbor moves next door and suddenly their lives collide tragically um the mother is a tarot reader and she's but she's been bilking you know old vulnerable people of, of money and then when her daughter dies I think I can say that it's um, not really yeah, it's pretty early in the movie too. yeah um, she needs to get back in touch with with her her craft to, to see the signs that her daughter's trying to send her from the beyond and in the meantime the daughter is is uh, infiltrating her, her killer's life in kind of cool ways
0: well, what i found interesting right away is, you know, we obviously watch a lot of horror movies and, you know, a lot of horror movies have lots of deaths in them. And uh, this is really about one death and uh, the impact that one death has on, you know, many, uh, the family, the grieving people and, and the murderer. So even though it's only one death, really that's more impactful than a movie that may have, you know, dozens of, of kills.
3: Yeah. The death really has a lot of repercussions and it's, a, it was a lot of fun to find ways to show the repercussions of death, you know, and you're right. Yeah. That's you. No one's ever pointed that out. That's pretty cool that there is just one kill, but there's in a way there's more kills because of it, but they're more symbolic.
0: Mm -hmm. And it's interesting to see both uh, the views from both sides, both uh, the guilt from the killer and and the grieving from uh, the family member.
3: Yeah, that was really fun to do. That was As an actor, that was fun to, you know, to do the guilt side. And, I know for Toby, she had a lot of fun exploring that kind of refining her spirituality side.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's going to twist it too. When you, because our daughter plays the daughter who, who, who gets killed, (laughs) but um, you know, I I always think of our, our, of horror as nightmares and in in our films as possible playing fields, the way a nightmare is the way you can play out shit that you don't want to experience in real life. Um, But I, I, so, I strangely enjoyed exploring grief, even though I would never want that to happen to my kid.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's better to explore it, I guess, in a movie than than in real. <laughs> yeah yeah. Uh, Trist, do you have a question?
1: I was struck by the locations while I was watching the film, and i I, I heard you mention it was the Catskills, so I'm wondering if there's a, a, a big film community there. And um, obviously COVID, notwithstanding, if there were film festivals,
3: et cetera. Yeah, actually, there are some cool film festivals our way. There's like the Woodstock Film Festival, Big Eddie Film Festival. Um, and there's some great venues that are super supportive, like the Hurleyville Arts Center that are very supportive of local artists. And, and they try to make the playing field like, open to people like us that don't have budgets. Um, but I don't think there's, I don't, I think it's the part of the Catskills where we are, I wouldn't say has a lot of film crews, right? I mean, I think I can only think of us like around there.
2: Yeah. I think there's stuff, stuff is shot in the Hudson Valley quite often, which is maybe an hour and a half or so from us. And that's beautiful. I mean, I know they shot a quiet place there and, um, yeah, but where we are, we're kind of known as the weirdos who make films that you always see us on the side of the road, you know, hanging some a body.
0: We've
3: we've had the volunteer fire department because uh, there was this bloody body in our field, so it's kind of. And then we were shooting, and we were like, "No, no, 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 please stop! No, 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 stop! We, 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 if you get your tracks on the snow, you'll we'll have to do this again."
0: It's, uh, but you know,
3: now they're used to it.
0: And I was saying, uh. That would be a good way now you know how to get away with with something if you ever do want to hide a body. <laughs> that's a good – here we go. That's going to be
2: – And that's very apt for John because he's constantly having nightmares about killing people. I mean, I'm always waking up and saying, oh, who'd you kill this time?
0: <laughs> that's interesting. I actually have the – same. but you, when I – it's not necessary about uh, the killing. It's always about um, hiding the body. I've had them times. Yes, that's exactly what mine are about.
3: That I've hidden them, and the and I always feel like,
0: but I'm different now. (laughs) I remember once the I woke up like actually nervous because I I won't go the whole long story, but uh, I had a body I don't even know who it was, but I chopped them up and i mixed them up with old meat that was in my freezer and so i tried to ah. so it looked like the it was like mixed with bad meat cuz i i let it thaw out and go bad and i put in a trash can uh trash bags and i put it out uh and then i woke up very nervous cuz i was nervous that the garbage man was going to discover the bodies in the in the trash
3: i'm liking this we got a couple new movie ideas here this is going to work <laughs> out very well
0: right yeah, and there was another part of that, too, is I smashed all the teeth up into powder, and I put them in bricks. <laughs> nice. I, I remember, and this might have been different dream, my mom w- told me, don't keep the bricks, because that'll be evidence if anyone ever found them at some point in time. That is awesome.
2: That is so cool. Yeah, it's really yeah,
0: cool. I'm, very, I'm
1: learning know. a lot about
0: you. All <laughs> right, yeah. Now she's well, out I'm going to change your right idea, right yeah, and I'm going to
3: smash up the teeth and snort them, and that's <laughs> how we
0: oh. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that's a good buzz. I don't know. But. Yeah, exactly. Well, it depends on what those people been eating their whole life. <laughs> that's, true. that's true. So you said that people uh, around your area think of you guys like as the weirdos. Do they ever get involved in the movies?
2: Yeah, definitely. They often they'll come to us and say, I really want to be in your next movie. And this new movie that we're making Hellbender, we did use a lot of local people. We've got a really cool scene in the beginning of movie that takes place in, um, you know, a a few hundred years ago. And, uh, and we dressed up these women, you know, uh, maybe 10 or 11 women to look like they were from the 1600s. And uh, yeah, we, we love using people that we know sometimes Often we'll use people who've never even acted, but they're so right for the role The no you know, actor could, could nail what they do.
3: Well, we use people that are actually, that just play themselves. So in The Deeper You Dig, the deli guy is actually the owner, his family owns the deli. The cops that come interrogate me are local cops who else is in oh and the guy who sees this kicks us off the bridge or kicks her off the bridge actually lives right next to the bridge and locally he's known as the troll of the bridge because even though it's a public <laughs> bridge he's always kicking everybody off because he thinks he owns it mm-hmm. so i mean we always we love to use people and and we just want them to play themselves and and generally people love to do that these yeah. days we're getting more requests for oh could you kill me in your next movie <laughs> which is pretty great
0: yeah yeah I would think that would add some realism to the movie. You know, even if the viewer doesn't know that that's, you know, like the actual person, I think uh, your brain knows.
2: Yeah. My mom actually plays um, Mrs. Minsky, the woman whose tarot cards I read. And um, she's been in a couple of our films and, and she's just wonderful. And it's it's fun to be able to, you know, act with people you love.
0: Yeah. Uh, the movie shot so well, and it looks great, and it really made me feel cold while I was watching it.
2: It was.
3: <laughs> we love shooting in the snow, though. The You know, the, the the Catskills are incredibly stark, and they're very, like, especially in the wintertime, you have those black trees, and you have that white snow, and it really works with our storytelling, that black and white tail and that high contrast and the, the, the coldness of the Catskills really shines through on film. And it's just perfect for like the deeper you
0: dig, especially. Uh, you another question.
1: I'm wondering about your inspiration for writing the film.
3: Would um, you want to answer that one? It's kind of a mix. Um, we, I, like Toby said, I do have this recurring nightmare that I buried somebody and, and people are going to uncover them. And it's the guilt aspect of my dream that, makes it a nightmare actually. And so I wanted to make a story about guilt and about what guilt can do to you like a telltale heart, you know, and that kind of idea. Um, and I also thought, you know, a lot of time in newspapers, you read stories about a tragic accident. And, and one of the things that always strikes me, especially when it concerns, wow, all that life they're going to miss, like we all, we all read an article about like something tragic of a young person, and, and then we wake up the next day and we continue living life. and I always feel so sad for those people because they're missing another day and another day And I thought it would be interesting for the murdered child to say, "No, I'm not going to miss another day I'm going come I'm going to come back and I'm going to." take back my days any way possible and i think that that was what was really fun about zelda's character <laughs> was that she wasn't going to miss all those days
0: yeah no, I think, i'm going,
4: sorry
2: yeah i think if she were here right now talking i think zelda would say she was really interested in turning the missing girl trope on its head you know or about that that the ghost is not the victim um that was really important to her and she's got really
0: strong opinions and yeah. Yeah. I like the idea of kind of playing with the idea of being haunted. Haunt you're know, haunted literally, you're haunted, you know, by the guilt or or the same right. thing. Yeah. Uh when did Zelda start to act? And uh was it something she wanted to do before you guys started making movies?
2: Yeah. So our first film we made <laughs> 10 years ago, Rumble Strips and Zelda was six years old and our older girl was 11. She was studying abroad in college. So she wasn't, you don't see her in the deeper you dig, but she's been involved in all our others. Um, so they started at six and 11 and, uh, and Zelda has really, she really took to it. And, um, now, not only is she really kind of cool on screen, but she's now really adept with with the camera. She shares the DP uh, role with John for this film and the next. Um, she's just got, so, I mean, some, she's she's kind of like a quadruple threat now with, with her acting and, and her shooting, and now she's co-directing. Um, but she did start at six, and she's been in all six of our films, yeah
0: when did the idea come about? Like, uh, we're going to make movies.
3: It came about because, um, basically Toby was a, an honest hardworking actress. And as she grew a little older, the industry kind of stepped back from using her because they, they have zero comprehension of how beauty and age continue. Do you know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. it's like, and so as those roles kind of shrunk, uh, she became frustrated and Toby's a great writer and, I had been on a TV show out in Los Angeles, and I watched the production process. And I was like, Toby, why don't you write something for yourself? Like, you're such a great writer. So she wrote this movie, Rumble Strips, and we bought an RV, and we hit the road and took us a year, and we filmed it. We all want to do this. And by the end of it, the answer was absolutely. This is so fun. And then it was released, and we went to festivals. And we were encouraged, and you know, even though sometimes we got our ass kicked by critics, and we still we were we were mostly encouraged, and um, we we just fell in love with the process. And now the family—it's just part of our life now, really. I don't like you can't really take it away because
0: it's just a part of our life now. Did you have any background in, in making movies? Uh,
3: no, none of us did. Um, but I was on a show called Rock and Roll Acid Test where. I really found a lot of companionship in the production side, like the guys who were doing the sound, the guys who were filming, the producers, the girls who were filming, the girls who were doing sound. And I really enjoyed like learning from them. And I got to see that at that time, 10 years ago, technology was changing where somebody like me who didn't rise through the industry could buy good equipment and have a good fighting chance to make quality art.
0: Mm -hmm. When you start to do that, uh, like you said, you worked on on something. Um, So do you learn just kind of the basics of being on set? Or was there anything like you would watch like online or anything just to get the idea of what you're doing?
2: I I mean, I was on a lot of sets as an actor. Um, And so you can't help but just it's like osmosis. You just pick up stuff all the time. Um, And for me in particular, reading a lot of scripts, I and I am really interested in the writing angle. I've always learned a lot from, from reading them and then seeing how they were done on screen. And also now as a co-director, um, how people were work, working with me, what I liked or didn't like. And there is a certain way that I like to go into directing, too, that is all from how, all taken from my experience working in theater and then in television and film.
4: Trustee,
0: uh, you have a question?
1: Toby, you touched on some of the gritty New York films that you like, but I'm wondering if you guys are horror fans, and if you are, which are some of your favorite horror films?
2: Yeah, I, I lo- I'll tell you off the top of my head. I, my, I love The Witch is one of my is one of my favorite films. I always mention Basket Case because no, it's, it's so trippy. It. I, re- yeah. I really, I, I was really. Uh, I only saw it maybe three years ago was my first time seeing it and I kind of just fell in, in love with it. Um, I like, I like films that have a really psychological, uh, bent. So like Babadook is another, that's a real mainstream horror film that I like because sometimes people will say, Oh, it was so scary. And I'm, and I always want to say, Oh, but it's about so much more than that dude on the ceiling. You know, for me, what's intriguing about films like the witch and the Babadook is, um, what's going on in how are these women are being suppressed or or, or repressed or in the case of um the Baba, it's about a mother and i'm a mother you know and the and all the terrors or frustrations and fears that come with being a mother and and that that she might actually be a monster and sometimes want to kill her kid because the kid's so you know annoying um those are two that came into head for me you want to
0: just real quick uh, before I, I think that's a point that people miss a lot about the Babadook because I see people who say that the kid is annoying and it's like, that's kind of the, uh, the point of that character. If he <laughs> wasn't, think, yeah. you know, it wouldn't, the movie wouldn't really work. John, I'm sorry. I,
2: I love, I love let the right one in too. I mean, I, I, guess, I'm too, yeah. I, I guess I'm interested a lot in, um in children and, and parents. and.
0: I'd recommend the book if you've never read it as well. I, it's been on my list. I got to read it. Thank you for reminding me. Yeah, it's great. I won't spoil it. It's a lot darker.
3: Wow, cool. I, I, my I'm, my favorite movie is just above all else, The Thing. I love the loneliness of it. I love the paranoid quality of it. I love that they need companionship, but they can't have it. Actually, it's so funny. and uh, Not funny, but it's so prevalent to... COVID times right now because, you know, we all wonder, you know, what's, who's got it, who doesn't have it, what's it going to do? And I love the coldness of the thing. And I, I think like, I think that John Carpenter, they made that after escape from New York, right? Yeah. And what I love is escape from New York is completely over the top and like a real eighties Hollywood. Like, it's just like classic eighties Hollywood. The thing just takes this new honest turn that I just think is like wonderful. So I could watch the thing every single night and, and enjoy it.
0: Yeah. To me, that's like almost a perfect horror movie because it's got the uh, blend of great effects. You know, the monsters are really alien they're weird looking and the performances are so great. So there's the, you know, you can like it on any level. It's that's interesting so you said, cause uh, sorry to interrupt you, but you know, when it first came out, it wasn't a hit and people really didn't like it, but now it's considered a classic.
3: I remember I loved it as a kid when it came out, but I loved it because of the gore. I loved the spider head, the spider yeah. head, to the floor, and I was like, I love it. But as I've grown older, what I really love is the interior of each character. It's so wonderful.
0: Yeah, I agree 100%. And uh, it's fitting because it's cold, like, like, uh, like your movie.
3: Yeah, I mean, yeah. Hey, you know, huge influence on us. I mean, the thing, just the cinematography. I mean, you know, we're not comparing ourselves to John Carpenter, that would be stupid, but but we do love the amazing masterpieceness of him.
0: You said you like shooting the snow. Is that hard to shoot at all because it is so bright?
3: Well, I think, so it's too bad Zelda's not here because Zelda and I, um, we did a test run. Like we made a movie called The Hatred that came out on Arrow with The Deeper You Dig, uh, the Arrow release. And The Hatred was kind of a test run. Zelda and I wanted to make a horror movie. We wanted to see how hard it was to shoot in the snow, what it was like to shoot violence and stuff like that. And we fell in love with shooting in the snow. In fact, we found it far easier than shooting in summertime with leaves and the sun and all the other elements. What's great about shooting in the snow is, like I said before, you have black and you have white and you just need to capture it so that neither is pushed too far. Uh, the, only, the only issue that we ran into is sometimes it just got too damn cold. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, generally we made it. We did find that when you shoot in the snow, as soon as you pour blood on your body, you get frozen really fast.
0: All right, I will keep that in mind.
2: Someone's knocking on our RV. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know while, I'm while he's the
0: pizza here, huh? Yeah, I wanted
2: to mention. You know, we watched recently um, again Raw, uh, and that's a great film. You guys know that, that yeah. film Raw. Um, that was is that a
0: Campbell movie? Yeah, I'm a different movie.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think it's from Belgium. Yeah. Or, or France. Sorry, I don't know. Someone we're in the middle of nowhere, and someone just knocked in our. Yeah, that's yeah, right. <laughs> that. yeah. Um, what are your some your favorite uh, your favorite horror films?
0: <clears throat> uh Trista, what are some of your favorites?
1: Um, Child's Play is one of my favorites. I think it was the first movie I ever saw, and then I worked with Brad Dorf, which was very special for me. That's cool. So, thanks, and um.
0: Psycho, I'm a big Hitchcock fan. Uh, Rosemary's Baby, uh, Polanski notwithstanding. Um, Neil? Uh, well, Psycho, I have a big uh, Norman Bates here, but yeah, Psycho's always one of my favorites. Uh, I like the old Universal Monster movies, uh, Frankenstein, Invisible Man. Uh, the thing was mentioned. It's weird because I like like things that are considered classic, but I also love Basket Case. And it, I don't even, you know, I like them really equally. And. Like, would I say Basket Case is a better movie than Psycho? Or Equ- no, but but I enjoy them both, you know, but they're much different movies. And I love Creepshow, which I have over here, because it was the first, uh, like Chris was saying, it was their first horror movie. Creepshow is the first movie my mom bought me on VHS, and so that has a special place. But I also just like it, because it's a, it's a fun movie, and... Uh, that's an anthology where all the all the stories are good. Sometimes there's an anthology and I think like there'll be one or two that's cool and the rest aren't so great or the wraparound doesn't work, but uh, that one works for me.
2: I gotta check out Child's Play. Child's oh, you've never seen
0: Child's that. Play. Interesting.
2: I mean, I must have. I must have. Do you guys remember a film called Slumber Party?
0: Slumber Party Massacre, S- I think it's called? Or the Slumber I, Party? I think,
2: uh, no, no. I'm sorry. Sleepaway Camp. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Felissa Rose. One yeah, I ever saw. That's the first hard film. I oh first... wow! <laughs> <laughs> really, that's a
0: weird one. Yeah,
2: I no, think that's it... the
1: wild one for your first. Wow. Yeah.
0: yeah, very interesting. Felissa Rose just did a convention, and they were doing an adult-only uh, photo op where it's the surprise ending photo op, which I thought was very uh, interesting.
2: Okay. oh, here's John again. Everything cool?
3: Yeah. Well, kinda. <laughs>
0: Sorry. <laughs> no worries. But uh, we were talking about favorite horror movies, and Toby mentioned her first one was uh, Sleepaway Camp. And I think my first, the first one we actually remember seeing is Night of the Living Dead at the drive-in because uh, my brother's much older. I would say much older. He's not that much older. But, uh, and uh, so anyway, uh, single mom, and instead of getting a babysitter, you know, she'd take me along to the, to the movies. And so I saw wow. that at, like I was like five or six years old.
3: That's great. Um, my soccer coach took us to see Phantasm when I was 12. Phantasm.
4: Yeah.
3: And it's the first horror movie I saw and it scared me sleepless for a year. And in fact, I had to go live in Germany right after that. So I left my family to go live in Germany basically two days after that. So I was living with a new family in a new country And I, I just, there was an old TV that I set up at the end of my bed that was broken and I had a light behind me and I turned on the light so I could see the reflection of my room in the TV. And I just stared at the reflection of my room until I passed out. I was so scared from phantasm.
0: It's because I always say that's not to like, like I'm a tough guy or something, but since I watch horror movies since a kid, like really, I don't get scared by them. But a few things did, and Phantasm's one of them. Uh, the tall man, like, really scared me as a kid. He was
3: exceptional. I mean, he was just exceptional. And mean, we went back. I was like, you know what? It took me all those years. I was like, I need to go rewatch Phantasm and go, you know, face, face, fears. My, face <laughs> my fears. And I watched it, and I was like, you know what? It's a great movie. Yeah, I love it. fantastic. Yeah. It totally held up.
0: Yeah, that's it, that's another very weird movie. I think that's a movie if you would explain the plot to somebody, they'd be like, What the hell are you talking about? Like, you know, there's a yeah. there's this guy who was a woman at one point and he's got all these like uh Jawas from Star Wars and they're taking your soul to another uh plane and like I don't know about this movie, but
3: right exactly it's it's but you know i also then after i watched it i was like wow that was a fantastic movie it was incredibly well done and crafted and acted and everything so i read about it and it turns out that that guy paid for it by getting out loans and he filmed with his friends and he was really young
0: when he made it too don Coscarelli.
3: and i was like wow i mean back in the 70s he did this which is kind of unheard of so Mm -hmm. what a cool guy
0: yeah, and that's a great book too, uh, True Indie by um, Don Coscarelli, his autobiography. I'd recommend that.
3: Oh wow! Okay, great.
0: And um, if you've never seen the sequels, I actually really like uh, the fifth one, um, which he actually didn't direct, but uh, uh, Ravager, which I uh, it's inter- It's a different, you know, different, but uh, I, I, there's a lot in it that I like. Great,
3: we'll check it out. That's really cool. I was I was wondering about all the sequels. You know, a lot of times sequels get tough because it's they're just money makers. But yeah recommend it and we'll check
0: it out yeah and what's interesting i think too about the fantasy is five of them and like you know it's uh, they do replace the one actor in the second one but then he comes back to the third one uh but pretty much it's all the same people throughout you know like decades you know it's a, which is unusual for uh for any type of franchise
3: That is unusual. I'm surprised some big Hollywood stars didn't jump in and bump them out. So that's pretty cool that the owner of the franchise stuck with his crew.
0: Yeah. It was just the second one for that reason. Uh, The studio got involved and they wanted a different actor to play uh, the one role. Ah, You can read all about it in true indie. But you you mentioned uh, Arrow, which I should have brought up uh, to begin with. But so you had the movie – released by Arrow, and it's also on Arrow, uh, their new, the new streaming platform.
3: Yeah, is an amazing company, and we're so glad that we're teamed up with them. Their attention to detail, and they love art, and we are just incredibly lucky. And I'm sure all horror <laughs> fans know, you know, what Arrow does, you know, and how well they do it. So we're, we're really glad to be on their team.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah, go on, sorry
2: and then yeah and 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 then originally the the movie came out with uh dark sky films which has some really cool you know right they did uh put out texas chainsaw massacre and, and some really great uh films that they're putting out now too but um so it's been a really fun run for us we've never had we've always always done things on our own and it's been interesting to come into the horror scene and uh be distributed by these people has been pretty,
0: pretty wonderful. Yeah. Um, since this is your first one like that, though, I don't know if you have an answer, but uh, the rise of the streaming sites, uh, how does that affect you as filmmakers?
3: Well, it's perfect for us because we're just a tiny little trio. And basically now we're available to the same world that the industry is available to. So the streaming platforms and the online platforms Are just uh, wonderful for people like us. It kind of levels the playing field. No, I'm sorry. I'm interrupting. Basically, it levels the playing field. I mean, you know, we're never going to play. We're never going to play at Regal Theaters uh, three thousand theater opening. So we're we're right there on the same carousel that um, the big girls are on, and it's it's great.
0: Yeah, and uh, Arrow. I think you know uh, some people will think of them as putting out you know special releases of like you know classic or obscure horror films you know of the past but you know they put out a lot of uh, of new stuff like 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 your stuff yeah they're really
3: cool i mean they're
0: exceptional uh, and Tristan, their design team.
2: Oh, i'm is sorry that, no
0: no you go on too. i'm sorry
2: their, uh, their design team is kind of off the charts i mean the, what they've done with <laughs> with the blu-ray and the art that they've put out is just is so special. I yeah. mean, we're we're kind of just still pinching ourselves because of that alone.
0: Yeah, there. Um, I won't mention some other. Sometimes um, some distribution. All their uh, cover art, I think, looks very similar, and it doesn't have anything to do with the movie. But Arrow, their stuff, because I think it's made by people who love movies, you know, and so they they pay more attention to things like that.
3: Yeah. yeah, we noticed that too. I think that's a great comment that you made is we have, you know, as uh, like Arrow and other companies kind of showed, like, here's an example of what we can do with your poster or with your trailer. We really noticed, wow, Arrow's like kind of love i keep saying art but what they they really concentrated on the art do you know what i mean and you're right you, you see now i really look at different movie companies and i look at all their posters to see like well what do they do what what do they like what's their their theme or their and you're right like uh some are good and some aren't
0: yeah, they might look technically good, but they don't necessarily have anything to do with the movie, and they all yeah. have, like, orange and blue contrast. Right. And yeah.
3: There you go. Uh,
0: yeah. Uh, because I, uh, Tristan and I uh, have lots of friends who put out movies, and sometimes, like, their original artwork will look cooler. It might technically not be appealing to, to a mainstream audience, but it's more about the movie as opposed to something that's, I guess, trying to just catch, like, a a bunch of people, a wider audience.
3: Well, here's a question for you guys, then, because this is a great conversation. And and we noticed this when we were given some, not from Arrow, but when we were given some, oh, here's some poster ideas. Some posters, I don't think, like, I I think some posters kind of lied about, well, what is this story about? Do you know? Yeah, I've seen this many times. (laughs) Right. And so what do you guys think about that? What do you think about, what do you think a poster should represent? Do you think it should try to really... Like tell the honest truth about what is that story about? Or should it be something that appeals to a broader audience so that hopefully you pull in people that might not have watched that movie?
0: That's an interesting question. I haven't answered that, but uh, Trista, I think maybe you should go first since you're more in the industry.
1: I mean, I'm I'm an artist, not a salesperson. So I would want something that reflects the work, but obviously that's not someone who's interested what someone who's super interested in branding is
0: going to say. Yeah, I was going to have a similar uh, thing. I think it depends on like what you're going for. And maybe you could find a happy medium where it still represents what you're putting out and still would, would uh, appeal to a broader audience. But I think the thing with some of that is, Maybe you're uh, not your movie specifically, but someone's movie might not appeal to that audience that you're trying to capture with, with, the, uh, with the art. So what exactly you're doing, you might sell some, but if they don't, if they feel like, hey, I bought this thing and it's this mainstream movie and, it's, and that's what I'm to and it's not, are they going to buy anything else from them? So I don't know if it maybe short term, it, it helps some way, but I don't know if long term, it's even the smartest thing to do.
3: I think you're right. I think both of you are right. I, I think you go with the art and you go with the truth and you hope that, you know, your your following is solid and you know, you don't try to, cause it kind of pisses people off. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, when they're like, Oh my God, this looks like a great slasher movie. And yeah, then it's exactly. slow burn right. and they're pissed, you know, uh-huh. and you kind of don't blame them. You know,
0: I'll bring up this movie and because I brought it up actually to the director and that's, um, the Man Who Killed Hitler and then The Bigfoot. And I love the movie. It's my favorite movie at the at uh Freight Fest I went to that year. But I, I went in thinking it's gonna be a very silly movie by the by the title. And it's not. I think it's actually a really beautiful movie. And which is fine by me, because I like silly movies and I like like more serious movies. But I think it puts off people that would actually really like the movie, just the title, because they're probably not gonna watch it. And people that go in really loving that title might not like the movie because it's not like this silly uh, film. So I don't know. I don't think it's the best title for the movie.
3: Yeah, I, that one threw me because I expected one thing and saw the other. Yeah. Um, it was. It was a really cool movie. But you're right. I I went in thinking one thing. I was like, "What is going on here?" You know. Right. So, yeah, that's a, that's a good that's a good out for a great piece of art. Like you know, yeah. that was a great piece of art.
0: Right. Yeah, and there's another one. I won't mention this one, but there was one at that same festival, and I thought it was a really interesting movie. And then um, a company put it out, and they sold it as a as a monster movie. And there technically is a monster in it, but it's nothing like like the, the art suggests. In a way, it's kind of like uh, Deeper You Dig, where it was more metaphorical about not necessarily guilt, but, you know, like an emotion coming through and, you know, uh, becoming a monster. And is it real or not? But it, but they just build it straight as a monster movie. And I would think if, you know, you went in thinking you're watching this fun monster movie and it's absolutely nothing like they were uh, promoting it.
3: Yeah, that's tricky.
0: Uh, well, How about the the name, though, Deeper You Dig? Uh, th- is it hard to come up with a name for your movie?
2: I think we bandied around a bunch of names. I I, I kind of was really sold on that one. From the get-go, I just felt like in my in my heart that it represented um, the deeper that it just really represented the film well. That the deeper this guy buried his guilt, the higher this presence, the ghostly presence and revenge was was going to rise.
3: Yeah, I think that Toby came up with that title and um, it just stuck. I don't think I I think once I can't remember our other titles anymore. We had either. some working titles. I even think one of them was called. The Guilt, because I have a hard drive that says The Guilt on it. <laughs> and uh, when Toby came up with that, it just was like, you know, it's, it's like a good edit. When it's a good edit, it's a good edit.
0: Yeah. I think it really captures the movie and also doesn't give away too much, so you know, know you know, too much. And it's an interesting title. You know, it's not just like a throwaway title that doesn't really say anything. Good. I'm,
1: I'm I came good. across a hard drive called The Guilt, I would um, – <laughs>
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a movie sorry, in itself, isn't it? No, I like that. That's uh, that's kind of like the new ring or something. This this hard drive. This is the guilt. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna have a movie
3: script by the end of this interview. Here. It's gonna be great. Ground
2: teeth, <laughs> hard you. drives.
0: I like it. Uh, it was uh, something I found really interesting is your character. You know, is uh, doing terror readings, and she knows like they're not legit, but at the same time. Then she is open to uh to seeking that out uh when her own daughter dies, you know she's willing to to believe in it,
2: yeah, I think that she's someone who once probably had a gift but really um traded it for for money and it doesn't even look like she makes a lot of money. There's that scene with our wonderful friend Sean, who plays Dell, who introduces her to the box um and he was she was once his mentor and he really took it to a uh, deep places. So in the end the, the, the student becomes the master. Uh, yeah, I think that we were interested in the tarot and, 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 we, we learned all about tarot from a woman named Sasha Graham, who was a horror. She was in a, a number of horror films in the nineties and, um, as an actress and she's now this world renowned tarot expert. And she really opened up that world to us. And, um, it's so cool now that I know about tarot, all the, all the archetypal images and, and, and the symbolism. I mean, it's kind of like having a shrink session, I think, when you get your tarot cards read. Um,
4: What's up? This is James D. Lamont from It Came From the Five Weight Productions, inviting you to listen to Culture Shock. Every second Monday, right here on withoutyourhead.com.
2: You can really delve deep into all the nitty gritty stuff that's going on. And so that helped us with our storyline and, and with the, we entered these seven circles, which mm-hmm. represent grief, but we also, um, the tarot cards also just gave us a springboard for all these strange places we could, uh, we could go to with these circles and, and, and the guilt, not only his guilt, but the mother's guilt in what she's done. And now it's turning back on her, um, you know, we have the scene with, with the clown where she now is reading her own tarot cards and really does want to reach her, her dead daughter, but it's, sla- you know, it's spat back in her face.
0: Yeah, and uh, all the imagery with the seven circle scenes are, uh, you know, they progressively get weirder. And I like that about the movie, too. It starts off very uh, realistic and then things, you know, progress into, uh, into strange territory.
3: Yeah, that's something that we're really working on on our next movie is, you know, improving on our on on the drama aspect of the movie, but also improving on that esoteric aspect, like the seven circles were really fun. And one of the things that we love about the horror community is that they like you to take chances. They like they like to try. They like to see something new and they allow that. And, you know, they'll sting you if it sucks, but they they want you to take some chances. And when we were on the festival circuit and from getting reviews and doing interviews, we can see that people like the idea of seven circles and that esoteric quality of it. And so on this next one, Hellbender, we're definitely improving on that, trying to put some more meat on those bones and get better at that. So that when you add that drama and that kind of esoteric quality, you know, we're hoping to really improve on those things.
0: I mentioned the, the cover art. Who did the art in the movie itself, like when, when there's uh, the portrait or, the, you know, the sketch?
3: Oh, that's Zelda. Yeah, that's Zelda's really? art. Yeah. That's all her art. She draws <laughs> all the time. She loves drawing. You, you, we're, we're driving down the road. She's drawing a picture. It's late at night, and there's a light on at 3 in the morning, and you go in, and she's drawing. And so it was really fun to have her art in the deeper you dig.
0: Yeah, it was great, too. Very impressive. We'll let her know. <laughs> uh, Tris, you have another question?
1: Well, Zelda is obviously very talented. I'm wondering if she's uh, planning on pursuing a career in filmmaking or if she's decided, uh, just interested in her aspirations.
2: I think she would say that she's trying to figure that out, too. She's just about to turn 17. She's a junior in high school, um, but we're starting to look at colleges. And, and she... I think she's interested in something on the creative edge and whether it's film or art or art history. But I think she would say she's not sure, and she's she just is doing it until she figures it out. Well, so she I has
1: guess, a lot of yeah. options.
2: She's good at a lot of things.
0: Yes. So. Thank you. No, well, no, you're okay. so. no, reason to be sorry. Please uh, please. I was going to say though, you know, maybe more question for Zelda. Uh, does her when you could, when she could go to actual school and stuff. Uh, do do her friends watch movies? Yes.
3: Yeah, they're super supportive of her. But you, the thing is, is if she was sitting here with us, you'd see that Zelda's very soft spoken, and she is not. You know, she she's not the person who walks into the room and explodes the walls. So people love that this quiet girl is, uh, you know, hacking people up in a movie, and <laughs> it's 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 really fun. It's 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 fun for her.
0: Yeah have uh, have the people that were in the movie watched it you know you like uh did for people in town
3: yes everybody yeah well we had a local showing at oh, um nice. uh, just to, for everybody cuz we're all from the same town and we had a great night and it was super fun and we a, a great theater in Calicoon and um yeah they all enjoyed it um i think you know it's funny people who aren't actors one of the comments we got, I think, from the one of the police officers was, "Wow, I can't believe how much editing goes on." <laughs> <laughs> meaning, meaning he worked for like four or five hours and oh, right. shot so many different things in so many different ways, and then it's uh, two minutes. Uh
0: huh. He's like, I thought I'd be in here for four hours. Right. <laughs> I thought I was. Uh, <laughs> was that exactly. movie is just about me, right?
3: <laughs> so, you know, it's very funny for people who aren't, who don't do it when they realize, like, oh, my God, just for that, we worked so hard. Yeah. Well, by the way,
0: who does the editing? You do your own
3: editing? Well, I do the. I do all the preliminary editing. So we shoot and we go home. We throw it on the computer. I do rough edits because we need to know whether we need to go back to that place and reshoot. So we, 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 we do some very quick edits to see whether I got everything and whether we like everybody's acting. And then, and, then I, and then I zero in on the things. And basically when I'm about 80% done with the edit, I get Zelda and um, Toby to sit down. And that's when we really, really cut it to pieces.
0: Is is that an easy process? I because w- I always think it'd be hard to edit my own my own stuff. Uh, is it hard to edit? You know, especially your your family. Like, uh, you know, you don't want to cut your wife out of too much or, or your daughter.
3: Well, I think at this point we're all very objective about it. I don't, and so no, I don't think it's hard. I think it was hard in the first movie because who, like, especially with myself, because who I am and who I thought I was and things like that were confusing. But at this point, no, it's more about, um, I think that the edits really just, the good ones rise to the top and and the bad ones fall away. And then the the minor details are, it's great. That's when I really, really need Toby and Zelda to be sitting there because they definitely put the shine on it and get rid of, any excess stuff you know toby has the best philosophy that she learned somewhere what was it that you learned
2: i was at a film festival and i i was doing a seminar on editing and and someone said oh you know it's the old get in late and get out early and that really kind of works and you really because you really cut to the meat of, of the scene i think when we first started making films we were so enamored of the process that if we would keep something just cause we liked it, you know, or we liked where it was shot or it had a great memory. Now we would we always try to serve, serve the story.
0: Yeah. That was, I was just, that's something I always think about. I always uh, think if I was editing, I mean, I've edited stuff, but not like movies, but uh, more like the memory of making it. And, but then you have to think people watching it, they weren't there and they don't really care, you know?
3: I mean, absolutely i mean a great example is there's a digging scene one there's a couple digging scenes but the first digging scene in the deeper you dig i had edited it, it lasted about 10 minutes because i was like but i want to show everybody how brutal and painful it is and and toby's like i think we'll we'll know that in five seconds <laughs> we don't need to just we don't need to dig with you for 10 minutes and so that scene and she's it's so right you know when you watch the movie later you're like yeah my god <laughs>
0: Uh, I just, uh, something occurred to me, like, uh, as we're talking, I, I forgot that, you know, you're, you're in the movie, John. And I think that's a, that's a positive because you're much different than, than your character.
3: Yeah, that is you. So, yeah. Thank
0: God. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh man, I'm really talking to the guy from the movie. I guess that would be a lot stranger. <laughs> <laughs> is, I guess, was, was that hard to do scenes where you're, you're, you know, you're killing your daughter in, in the film?
3: No, Zelda and I have a a real lot of fun doing violence. And, um, you know, I, so no, it was actually just a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely. There's a bit that I, it's a game when you're making movies and it, we just wanted it to be as honest as possible. And in fact, you know, that was the only kind of like creative argument that we had, which was how violent should the killing be? And Zelda and I voted more violent. And so we went. We actually had to go back and do a little more violence for the initial killing because Toby was like, this shouldn't be this violent. It's too painful. And I was like, yeah, but it's fun. Don't worry about it. We need it to be. That's what people want. They need some good violence. So, um, no, it's fun.
0: Mm -hmm. I think it works in the movie, too. It shows you know how horrific uh, what happened was. Yeah, you need to hate this guy. And
2: give yeah. her, and give her, I came to realize, yeah, and Echo need the character Echo needs something to really uh, play off of as she gets her vengeance. Mm-hmm. But it was hard at, at first, you know, I was trying to take off my mother's tat and watch that.
0: <laughs> especially, I don't want to give too much away in the movie, but especially uh, the second uh, killing of her, I guess, also. <laughs> really, you know, puts over the, you know, if it's one thing if something's an accident, but.
3: Right. Yeah, yeah, that was that was the one that we went back to film because it was like Zelda and I definitely voted for we need more.
2: And then there's the third for a second I thought you were talking about the third, not really killing it's already yeah. dead, but that's pretty gruesome. Yeah,
0: <laughs> right. Yeah, that's yeah, that's true too. There's actually you're right, there's more than just the uh, two, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh Trista, you have another question?
1: Has your other daughter seen the film? Is she super jealous?
0: well you know
3: she has seen the film she loves the film and yes i think if she's listening i think that yes i think she's a little jealous but she was all having a great time in europe at the time but um now she's she's in and worked on hellbender like she definitely was like i'm in on the next one (laughs) and she delivered some acting and some stuff on this next hellbender that is stunningly good and so we're really excited to have her back in the
0: crew. Uh did you do our uh, festivals at all for Deep Reading?
2: Yeah. So we premiered at Fantasia and then we went on to Fright Fest and we were at uh, Sitges and Fantastic Fest. Oh, you're at the Horror um, we we had a great run, and we, we were still going to keep running, and then COVID happened, and, and some things like Boston Underground and others got canceled.
0: Yeah, unfortunately, um, I, my short was going to be at Boston Underground Film Festival. Ah,
2: uh,
0: yeah. Well, um, send us
2: a link. Hound, we want to watch it. Hound. Um, yeah, um, yeah. We'd love to watch it. Yeah, we, the festival runs are, are kind of the best. They're, I think, our favorite part of making films, for sure.
0: Yeah, I, 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 that's the main thing I miss right now is uh, going to the movies and going to the festivals.
3: Absolutely. You'll earn so much as a movie maker. You meet wonderful people, and it just cannot be replaced is the the power and of festivals.
0: Yeah. I know it's, uh, they're doing the best they can with the virtual fest, and that's nice, right. and they do do, like, uh, chat stuff, you know, so there is some uh, interaction, but it's still not the same as, you know, actually being with someone.
3: Well, I think what's what, what the best part about the festivals is, you know, definitely the Q&As after the movies. But then you're sitting in a coffee shop and someone sits down next to you that watched the movie and you spend two hours talking to them about movies. And that's where, as a movie, you know, as a movie maker, you learn so much. And that's where I think you improve.
0: Yeah, that's a big part uh, for me is because uh, afterwards, the filmmakers and, you know, the viewers and everyone involved, they're all pretty much, you know, on equal ground and everyone hangs out and talks about things that they love, the movies. That's right. And, uh, you know, you meet a lot of people that you might work with at some point or at least get advice from because it's all Absolutely. varying degrees of uh, experience. Absolutely.
2: And we, and we discovered on, on the horror um, scene that that community is the most loving and gracious and generous. I mean, it, we were just sold after hitting the, the circuit, festival circuit this time around. It's just kind of the gift that keeps on on giving.
0: But I really uh, enjoy deeper you dig, and I, I think people will uh, will really uh, dig it. I hate to say dig it for deeper you dig. <laughs> Thanks.
2: <laughs>
3: yeah, we love we love making it,
0: it. It appeals to. It definitely appeals to a certain
3: strain of people, and. um I think that we have found uh, the audience that, you know, that we want to appeal to, like we want to appeal to, you know, a wide audience, but we definitely found, you know, the vein that we want to appeal to and that, that we love telling stories to. So um, it's been a great experience, this, this whole thing.
0: And uh, so it's on uh, aero streaming. Um, How the physical release people can get that on Amazon and.
2: Yeah, you it can be, um, you know, on demand on Amazon and iTunes, pretty much everywhere but Hulu and Netflix, but it's pretty much everywhere else. And then, um, the DVDs are also in a lot of places like Target, Walmart, um, barnesandnoble.com. And then Arrow just put out the special edition Blu-ray and it's streaming and it's also begun streaming on Shudder. So it's on Shutter as well. Yep.
0: I'm a big fan of Shudder. Uh. Shudder us, uh, what's cool about it is so many. Th- it's got a lot of independent stuff. It's got a lot of classic movies. It's got obscure movies. It's got Joe Bob Riggs. Like there's a there's a lot there for, for I think any type of horror fan.
3: Well, I'd love to ask you guys a question. Can you recommend a great horror movie from the last year that you think we should watch?
0: Mm. Have to think about that. Trista, do you have a David an answer?
1: Um, I really loved Pride Barry.
0: Oh yeah, I, I love that too.
1: For the show. Wait, what? Yeah.
0: Which one was it's
1: that? It's called Fried Berry and it premiered at Fantasia recently.
3: Fantastic. All right, thank you. Thank I, you. I I don't know about that one, so that Her we'll watch that.
1: Her Zelda, though. <laughs> it's yeah. definitely like a grown up movie.
3: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, she—we're not—we're not. Actually, it's funny. We're not those parents. We're, oh, but maybe. Okay, no, there's okay. No, no, no. I just have oh. to add that disclaimer right. so that I don't right. feel bad. Right there,
1: there you is. go. I'll check it out.
0: <laughs> I'm trying to think. Uh, that's putting me in. The, uh, I mean, I really like midsummer, but that's probably more last year, I guess. Or it might have been bef- this year before COVID. I don't. I don't know. It's weird to uh, think about time now. Like everything pre COVID seems like multiple years ago.
3: Right? Yeah, I guess I'd have to I should say that. That should be what I say is can you tell us a COVID movie that you really like? And it uh-huh. sounds like you've given us one. So we'll watch that. And I love Midsummer. We both love Midsummer.
2: Zelda's a big fan. She loved Hereditary and I think she liked Midsummer too. She's a yeah. big fan of Yeah.
0: Yeah, it was uh Yeah, that was uh, one of the last movies I saw the multiple times at the theater because they put out the extended one. So I went to see it again midsummer, and that was a movie that really uh, plays well seeing on the. I think all movies play well seeing on the big screen.
3: Absolutely, yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm trying to think of other movies. Uh, I'll think of stuff uh, when we're done. I'm sure, and I'll email them to you.
3: Good, that'd be great because we're you know we like to sit at night and watch a new horror movie or just a new movie every night just to see what everybody's doing and,
0: you know, what they're doing well, and it's fun. And was it Zelda who sings the closing song in the, in the movie?
3: Yes. Zelda and I have a band called Hellbender that actually now Toby's in the band. And uh, so now, we have, now we're a trio. We were a duo and now we're a trio, and um, that's uh, one of the first songs that Hellbender put together.
0: Oh, very cool. So it's yeah. another thing she can also sing.
3: She's a fun singer. She's got a really kind of dreamy voice. Yeah.
2: She plays drums too.
0: Yeah. Oh, really? Yep. So uh, where can you follow, uh, you know, not, not around, you know, while you guys are traveling, but where can you follow you guys online?
2: Uh, well, our website is wonder wheel productions.com wonder wheel productions.com and all our films and trailers and music videos too are, are on there that, um, over the years. And, uh, on Instagram, yeah.
3: we're Adams dot family and um,
2: we're on Twitter too. As I, you can see, we don't do a lot on Twitter. <laughs> <Like> it's <laughs> Adams underscore films.
4: Uh-huh.
3: And then on Facebook, we're you know it's John Adams and it's Toby Poser and it's Zelda Adams and we love talking to people, so um, we're there. Uh-huh.
0: All right. So if you get a friend request from Nasty Neal, I would avoid it.
3: <laughs> we'll accept. Oh, all right, very good.
0: Yeah. Well, this has been great.
3: Yeah, thank you guys. It's so generous of you to invite us to talk with you today.
1: Thanks, Neil. Thanks, Trista. Thank you. you. Give Zelda our best, please.
3: Yeah, sorry, she had school. Damn. I mean,
1: school. Oh, that <laughs> sounds more important. <laughs> what?
0: Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, I don't know either <laughs> method, <but> no. <laughs> And I'm looking forward to actually watching uh, your other work because I really liked the uh, deep reading. Oh, well, thanks so much. Yeah. Really cool.
2: The hatred is oh. really cool. And um, that uh, John and, and Zelda and Lulu did to get uh, together. And it, it's beautiful.
3: The hatred is basically one big dark poem and that's what it was supposed to be. It's, it's like, it's about hatred and it's a dark po- poem about hatred. And it was really fun to film, you know, and Zelda and I had a great time doing that together. Um, I th- I, we'd love to see any art you guys are doing. So if you, if you, when you write, if you could hit us up with some links, we just love watching stuff, so.
0: Oh, yeah, I would recommend uh, Sturve- uh, that's Echoes of Fear with uh, Trista Robinson. Oh, fantastic. Please. Yeah,
2: Trista, so it, it, is, that, is that what you worked with Brad Dorf on? Or is that no. You? It's not but um, I'm I uh those
1: filmmakers, I met them working on a project with Brad Dorf, And then we shot Echoes of Fear together. Great and time. they're a married couple, which is very cool as well. Uh-huh. Yeah.
0: And speaking of festivals, that's how I met Trista was I met Brian who made uh that uh Echoes of Fear at a festival. And so it all it everything works together here. So
3: Yeah, it really does. The festivals are great like that
0: and mm-hmm. I took a silly picture with the poster art of uh, Echoes of Fear and and people like that and the rest is history. So,
2: That's great. I'm writing it down. All right. Um. Well,
1: sweet.
3: Yeah.
1: Well, thanks, guys. Yeah. Thank you Thank for you. your interest in our in our work and and for your time and talent.
3: Can't wait to watch it. You guys are really wonderful. Thank you for
0: having us today. Thanks Thank for your you.
2: time and interest. Yeah, this was fun.
0: Very good. We'll, well have you back when uh, Hellbender is, is uh, coming. Please do. Yeah.
2: All right.
0: Stay
4: Bye. Safe. Bye. Ciao. Yeah. Bye. Hi, everybody. I'm Bill Whedon. Uh, that's right. Bill Whedon uh, from Sergeant Kabuki Man NYPD. I'm here wearing my Without Your Head t-shirt, drinking from my Without Your Head cup. You may not know that I'm going to be in a movie that's coming out fairly soon, produced by the head honcho of Without Your Head, Mr. Neil Jones. Anyway, I'm here not to promote movies, but to get you to go out and vote. Now, you may not know it, but when I made Sergeant Kabuki Man NYPD back almost 30 years ago, even then, that character, that hateful villainous character, was based on Donald Trump. Now, not to say I'm not here to, you know, tell you who to vote for, but uh, that villainous, horrible character was based on Donald Trump, just incidentally. But my main purpose here is to get you to vote, no matter who you vote for. No matter who you vote for, go out and vote. Uh, I'm not voting for Donald Trump, but you can vote for whoever you want to. Just get out and vote. This is, the most important, this is the most important election of our lifetime, and the reason is we want to get Trump out of there. But go out and vote for whoever you vote for. This is Bill Whedon saying, vote.
2: From ancient terrors to the search for modern-day conspiracies, the Tomb of Nick
4: Cage is the new sound in horror rock. Uncover the mystery of old world horror for the new world order on iTunes, Amazon, and more. Ripley we should have listened. Sitting here on Now we're gonna die. The
2: Tomb of Nick Cage.
4: Roughly, there's a good night! Roughly, there's a good night! Roughly! Find out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The Tomb of Nick Cage.